True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. We're up to our final live draft of the offseason, and this one is for the people. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, a 16 team live head to head categories draft. With all kind of wacky categories, OBP instead of batting average, net stolen bases instead of just regular stolen bases, quality starts instead of wins, saves plus holds instead of saves, and this is a league famously created by Heath Cummings, and Scott is a huge fan. How you doing, Scott? Scott hates no. it. Scott <laughs> no. is such a grouch right now. I used to call Heath Cummings Master Troll, and I feel like this was his final act of trollery, kind of his troll legacy. <laughs> to, uh, you know, just everything about this league gets under my nerves. We, we made it worse last year by changing it from saves to saves plus holds. I, I'm the one who suggested it because it's already a lost <laughs> cause anyway. Let's just let's just throw all the crappy rules all of you listeners use out there and and see what comes out. Everyone's always like, eh, why don't you ever do this format and this format? All right, well, this is a format <laughs> devoted to all your crappy rules, all in one. You know... The thing is, your favorite format is points, and this most closely uh, replicates points, at least in a in a head to head category slash roto format. I mean, you don't get doubles for you don't get points for doubles and triples, but like everything yeah. else is pretty pointy. Yeah, why didn't they make, Why didn't Heath make home runs slugging percentage? 
He could have. We could do it right now. Let's do it. You want to change it on the fly? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Change everything else. I actually don't think we can because the room would crash. Yeah, we could do it. Yeah, let's not do that. (laughs) Other details you need to know about this one. Weekly head-to-head categories, shallower lineups, one of each infield position, three outfielders, one utility, no corner or no middle, and then just seven pitcher spots. You can divvy them up however you want. Uh, You can go all relievers. You can go six and one, five and two, four and three, whatever you want to do. I'll be drafting sixth overall. Scott is 10th, and Chris is 13th. So we're all kind of spread out here. Again, this is OBP. Instead of batting average, and this is one of our listener leagues that uh, the ones that we announced a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so lots of creative submissions, and we really do appreciate it. I am going to pull up the draft board right now, and I think we're good to go, Scotty. You could start it up. All right, and we are off. It's going to be a fun one. Woohoo! I, I say I hate this league. I did win it two years ago. Oh. <laughs> But ironically, like that fit, it was fitting because that was my worst year playing fantasy baseball ever, 2021. And, and, and of course, that would be the year I won this year because, like, just it's so against my every instinct. Shout out to last year's champion, by the way, since we're talking about champions. Scott, back in 2021, last year, Doug Rowe was the winner of this league for the people. Again, famously created by Heath Cummings over on the uh, now the FFT side. So the first three picks in this draft, the first four picks, Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna, Julio Rodriguez, and Jose Ramirez. I am on deck here. And to be totally honest, uh, I have not played in OBP format. I have not drafted an OBP this entire offseason. Unless you want to count head-to-head points. I guess it's not dissimilar, as you were mentioning, Chris. Uh, so... Well, well I think I think it makes Aaron Judge an even clearer number one, right? Because he walks a crap load in addition to hitting for a solid batting average. Uh, I, I mean, you know, Aaron Judge isn't normally a clear number one in standard five-by-five five leagues, but he is to me. And in this format, he probably would be to most everybody. Okay, just had yeah, to... In fact, go ahead, in Chris. NFC drafts over the last week, I pulled this data up earlier... Aaron Judge is now the number three player. He is behind Ronald Acuna and Trey Turner over the last week in NFBC leagues, which I found kind of interesting. Yes, indeed. Uh, All right, so I am going to select Juan Soto. I I had to read up on the news, catch myself up, said after playing in a B game Monday that he's, quote, really excited to be healthy to play opening day. Sounds like he's good to go. This is an OBP format. I currently have... Our buddy Ariel Cohen's ATC projections pulled up with OBP, and they, they have Juan Soto as the second best player in this format. I hope he's healthy. <laughs> Let's go. Take yeah. him sixth overall. I, I was hoping he'd make it to me at 10, people being scared off by the oblique soreness. But alas, I, I think it was a good pick for the format, Frank. Yeah. Good job. I mean, I think Soto's number six in five by five leagues anyway. Would you add that extra OBP perk where he is the best on base guy since Barry Bonds, probably Uh, at least he was in 2020 and 2021. So I think it makes sense. Ah, Ah. I was hoping for Jordan Alvarez too. These guys aren't scared off by the injuries. They didn't come to play scared. (laughs) They did not. After I took Juan Soto, Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Mookie Betts, and Scott, you are on the clock. Who boy. 
don't like my choices. <laughs> um, oh, come on. Some... There's very good players here. Oh, yeah, there are good players, just players I'm not used to building around. So the best two uh, by my rankings, and these are my like my standard rankings, would be Shohei Otani and Freddie Freeman. They're obviously, when I, when I say these are my standard rankings, they're not optimized for this format. They're not factoring in that it's OBP instead of batting average, among other things. But I can factor that in as the one drafting. And because of that, I'm going to go a little outside of my norms here, and I'm going to take Freddie Freeman. Mm. I like it, Scott. Um, On-base machine. Sure is. I'm seeing him as the fifth-ranked batter. Uh, Again, these are based on projections, but yeah, an OBP does see a little bit of a boost there in Freddie Freeman. So you take one of the lockdown first basemen, the elite names, and uh, just following Freddie Freeman, Vladimir Guerrero. So... Another first baseman there. Uh, For those watching us live on YouTube, thank you for being here. Please like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. This is what my hair looks like, if you haven't seen it before. (laughs) Not wearing a hat. We... Uh, Scott and I did an interview with Cal Ripken Jr. earlier. It was uh, was amazing. It had some, you know, uh, issues with technology. Some things happen, obviously, while we're going live. Oh, come on, Frank. Come on, don't don't lead with the negative. I know, I know. It's it's so in my nature to do that. But he was amazing, super nice guy, really fun to talk to. We talked to him about Otani and Gunnar Henderson and Mount Rushmore of all-time shortstops. So please go back and uh, check it out. It's on demand. We'll have the audio up in the podcast feed as well by the time that you are listening to this. All right, I don't know if uh, CG is here. I think this is a gentleman named Chris. Yes, he is. And he takes Mike Trout, which is a great pick in OBP. Chris, mm. you are up. And uh, I hope you weren't planning on taking Mike Trout. I was. I was. Yeah. yeah I, I was okay. planning on taking Mike Trout. I, I think we he know who the you're best taking, player. Chris. So, yeah, I, I will take Fernando Tatis, 13th <laughs> overall. I think that's a great place to get him. Uh, but I would have rather take taken Mike Trout. Yes. I was actually like if I didn't take Freddie Freeman, I know I said my top two players were Freeman and Otani. If I didn't take Freeman, I would have taken Tatis. So. Tatis over Trout. Yeah. Because I thought you yep. might have considered Trout as well in, in the OBP format. Well, the other thing to consider here, and I, I I guess it's parsing a bit since we're talking about the the earliest picks, and they're all good. They're all really good at many things, but it is standard head-to-head lineups. It is only nine hitter spots, so that whole you need to get maximum impact from every spot. I mean, Tatis is... It's hard to say anybody's higher upside than Trout, but at this stage of Trout's career, Tatis, I would say, is, and he's going to fill up five categories instead of just four Trout not being a base stealer anymore. Let's talk about this pick that just happened, Bo Bichette. So he goes 14th overall, and that's probably where we would typically see him go in a 5 by 5 with batting average. Maybe he goes a little bit earlier than that. Power and speed combination... Normally helps out in batting average. OBP doesn't walk very much in Bo Bichette, But, Chris, what about the possibility of taking Bo Bichette, just trying to rack up the counting stats, maybe you punt OBP? Or is that something you, you don't want to lock yourself into this early in the draft? I, I don't think you're punting OBP. Like, the thing there is, it's not like he's Adolis Garcia. You know, like, Bo Bichette's not going to have a great OBP, but he's probably going to be pretty close to average. And so, if you think about it from a traditional five by five perspective, you know, like 
Bobby Witt's not going to help you a ton in batting average, most likely, but he still tends to go in this range because True. he can still be a super. So I, I think that's something that in when we make the switch to OBP, people can kind of overrate the guys who don't walk, especially if like Bo Bichette, they're going to hit for a high batting average because yeah, he's not going to be a huge help in OBP, but it still counts the same as batting average, right? It's one category out of five for your hitters. And we're willing to take guys who don't necessarily kill it in batting average all the time. So I, I do think people can tend to overrate or underrate yeah. a guy like Bo Bichette, who well, will be closer to average in, in OBP. Yeah, because the batting average is so good. Unlike maybe yeah. Bobby Witt, who just... Uh, who might just be bad in OBP. Manny Machado and Bobby Witt, who certainly was bad last year, sub-300 OBP. I, I also wanted to point out in the concept of punting OBP on that subject, these are weekly contests. It's not like a Roto League where if you have a bad OBP lineup, you're going to place bad in OBP. There, there are weeks where even teams that aren't built for OBP will be able to win OBP just because that's in the nature of a week of baseball at a time. It's, it's a category that's going to feel pretty random over those small chunks of time. So I, I don't think you have to look at it as punting. I will say, though, that if you want an OBP standout, even more so than a batting average standout, they're going to, be, they're going to dry up quickly. I, I, I've experienced this from Tout Wars. It's the true OBP standouts are even less than the true batting average standouts because you have to be good, obviously, at both walking and hitting for average to be a standout in that category. All right, well, let's catch people up on some picks after Bo Bichette went 14th overall. Shohei Otani at 15, then at the turn. One of you mentioned this, uh, that it was Machado and Bobby Witt, followed by Pete Alonzo, Austin Riley, and Chris, you just selected Paul Goldschmidt, who is... Frankly, I mean, he's still really good in any format, but he does walk a lot, so I think he's going to help boost your OBP as well. You are muted, sir. A little bit better in this format. It's not a huge distinction, but it's it's there. It exists, so I, I think it's fine to push him up ahead of someone like Rafael Devers, who I assume Scott would have taken there if he was in my spot, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Devers isn't as good for OBP. He's because. yeah, he he's closer to Bobachet in that regard. Like yeah. he's been at like 355-ish the last two seasons. And boom. Rafael Devers goes off the board. 21st overall. Yep. And uh, I thought it was Scott's pick, so I thought he got uh thought he got sniped there. But maybe, maybe Scott wasn't looking at Rafael Devers anyway. Uh, as they like to do in these listener leagues, Scott. Nolan Arenado goes off the board. Another one who doesn't walk very much, but it's gonna be a Solid batting average and probably closer to an average OBP as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, Although no, will be bad. What's up? Oh, Arenado in 2021, his OBP was 312. Yeah, now his good. batting average was 255. You know, most of the difference there is a, you know, 36 point drop in batting average or whatever from 2022 to 2021. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, he, he's a, a little bit of a risk there, but I, I don't have any problem with it, really. Scott, you're up. There are no elite third basemen, at least by my calculation. Uh, maybe you can make the case for one of them. Who are you drafting? 
Well, I'm yeah, we, just gonna. This is just. Gonna, it's a total wild card league, so I'm gonna go with a total wild card approach here. I'm taking Corbin Burns. I'm <gasps> taking the first starting pitcher. Wow! In this draft, the now earliest I'm, I've taken a starting pitcher this year, and uh, a, a lot of it comes down to uh, because there has been this run on high in third baseman, because there's been a run on high OBP guys. I'm just not as I don't think in this format the the range of hitters stands out here from the pack as much as in like a traditional five by five league. Also, you know, fewer hitter spots to fill in general. Um, and I mean, Corbin Burns just fell, so I don't so, love it. I mean, starting first base, starting and, and starting with a first base and a starting pitcher with my first two picks is just like totally antithetical to my approach this year, but. It's weird league and got to do some Scott, weird things. I do you have to ask, and, and this might be blowing up your spot, and, and maybe you'll be mad that I asked this, but did you give any thought to Alex Bregman there? He went 21st overall in the points league that we did uh, with our listeners last week. So clearly yeah. the people have gotten the message about yeah. positional scarcity, and this is the for the people league. So if anyone, I'm not sure this the is message, the league for him because as I was saying, only eight hitter spots to fill. Of course, he's he's better for OBP than a lot of third basemen, better than Riley, better than Arenado. But is he that good at anything else? The counting stats, runs and RBI should be pretty good, but home runs will be, again, week-long contest. So you're, you're talking a 20, maybe 25 homer guy in Bregman. How reliable, how reliable is that power output going to be from week to week? Is, is he going to be a net benefit there? Is it... Are you going to feel the effects of that, of, t- of investing the early pick in him? That's part of the reason I passed up Marcus Simeon at this point, too. I'd much rather have a big category standout, per- particularly when we're talking about home runs and stolen bases, than kind of a jack-of-all-trades type who won't reliably do anything in great numbers from week to week. After Scott took Corbin Burns, we see... Uh, back-to-back elite starting pitchers, Garrett Cole and then JT Realmuto and Marcus Semien. I am telling you right now that I am considering a complete OBP wildcard pick here, something you normally would not see this early in a draft. Uh, and which one of them do I'm I intrigued. want to take? I am going to... Uh, I already got the outfielder. So I'm going to go ahead and select uh, Matt Olson here. I know first base is typically still pretty deep, but based on the uh, projections that I'm looking at, Matt Olson gets... Push up the board a lot in an OBP format. You know, he's probably going to hit around, you know, 240, 250 in terms of the batting average. But this is someone that uh, typically walks, you know, double digit percent walk rate, and he's going to have a, a much better OBP. Uh, and two picks later, and having an absolutely bonkers spring. It's worth yes. pointing out. It yeah. may not mean anything, it, it probably not. doesn't. But eight home oh. runs in 17 games, a 15.42 OPS for Matt Olson is just... And Fuego. Oof. Yeah, he's been, he's been on one for sure. So the two players I was considering were Matt Olson and Kyle Schwarber. And then Schwarber went two picks later. Yep. Yeah, I mean, those were some of the ones I was thinking if I took Burns here, hopefully I'd be looking at that class of hitters. Right. But nope, the, the hitter ranks are being entirely rearranged here since the categories are different, which is reasonable not used to seeing it to happen to quite this extent and the player that i wanted to take in the third round thinking that i could get him was Corey seager Eh-eh, not happening because after yeah. i took matt olson max scherzer went mentioned schwarber just after that 
Corey Seager, 30th overall. Again, another hitter who, I mean, he's still going to hit for a good batting average, we think. I know last year it was a lower batting average, but we have the new shift restrictions. The expected batting average was around 280 for Corey Seager. So if he's hitting 280, he's probably got a you know, 340, 350 OBP, something like that. I will say he's not as great an OBP guy as, as I think he you would think. He's only been above a 10% walk rate twice in a full season out of, what, six of them now? Uh, OBP for his career, 357 with a 287 on base or batting average. Like I think Corey Seager's a fine player, but I don't necessarily think he benefits a ton in this format he's, the way you might think. Other than Xander Bogarts and maybe Anthony Volpe in an amazing scenario, Seager was probably the best OBP guy at the position. Right. I mean, once Trey Turner, uh, Trey Turner is not a standout for that either. Yeah. I, I mean, Corey Seager is probably the best OBP source at shortstop, but I, I understand what you're saying, where it's for a guy who consistently hits 300, the o- OBP is more 350, 360 than 380, 390. All right. Don't you do it, Justin Finney, because I have someone in mind. And if you snipe me, we are not friends. After Corey Seager went, Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander to finish out round two. Starting up round three, Luis Robert, Francisco Lindor, Cedric Mullins, and George Springer. So we are seeing a few players here who typically operate with an, you know, mediocre to probably below average OBP in Luis Robert, Lindor, and Cedric Mullins. But if they are the players that we think they could be, and uh, have shown to be in the past, and they, they probably are going to still put up a lot of counting stats in their respective lineups. Uh, George Springer went, Randy Arozarena. Uh, we could still be friends, Justin, because I am going to take the name that Chris mentioned earlier. I think this is probably the right time in OBP, and I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Alex Bregman. So I'm leaning all the way into it. I've got Juan Soto, Matt Olson, Alex Bregman. I got probably an elite third baseman in this format. Um, and I'm all right with that. Um, you know, it's not the most, I guess, exciting start to a draft, but it's a lot of power and a lot of counting stats, so uh, I am intrigued. After I took Alex Bregman, Ozzy Albies goes. Scott, you started your draft with uh, Freddie Freeman and Corbin Burns. Uh, what are you yep. thinking about? You are two picks away. I got a couple of players queued up here. <laughs> and I'm sure if I mention by name, they'll just go pop, pop right away. So I'm not going to do that. What do you think about my uh, Alex Bregman pick? Is this a, an appropriate uh, uh, range? 38th overall? <laughs> What's that guy's name in community? He's trying to think. Magnitude. He's a one-man party. There you go. <laughs> That's what I heard when I said pop, pop, too. Anyway, um, I, can, I, can, and I feel confident saying I'm not going to draft a pitcher. I think that's fair. You're pretty confident in that. So what, what was the specific question you asked me? Was that an okay time Ooh. to take Alex Bregman, 38th overall? Yeah, I would have considered it if he made it to me. Okay. Uh, speaking of third baseman, going earlier in this format, Ozzy Albies with the next pick, and then Max Muncy, who I know is much better in OBP, but 40th overall. I don't know. Yeah, I wrote about the biggest differences in ADP at the various sites. And I think Muncie at, I want to say at ESPN is like way, way more expensive. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Or maybe it was Yahoo. He's, he's no, he's way cheaper at ESPN, I guess. Cause they, 
ding you more for uh, strikeouts, but there was so yeah, it's CBS, I, 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 CBS leagues. His ADP is twenty five picks higher than consensus, which makes sense because CBS are, are more points leagues where you know you get value for OBP. So that makes sense here. Yeah. Um... And I did read something about Max Muncy that I, I think should inspire optimism. I'm higher on him than most people. Clearly not the guy who took him 40th overall here. But um, he kind of cheated to recapture his stroke. The final two months of the last season was kind of taking a step back. Some, for some reason, it worked for him, taking a step back in the box to um, to kind of lock into place. But he worked with driveline baseball this offseason, as all Dodgers players are want to do. And he's got his bat sped up again. And he's had he's looked pretty good this spring. So I think Max Muncy is going to be back to having a typical Muncy season. If that's the case, this pick in round three of an OBP league, eligible at two-week positions, third and second base, may not look so bad at the end. Uh, I'm not sure anybody else was thinking of taking Max Muncy this early, though. All right, after Max Muncy went, Michael Harris and Scott, you selected Corbin Carroll, who has done a good job walking so far this spring. And I know that you've talked about how impressed you've been uh, with the plate discipline, but obviously he's he's been a big hype guy during spring training. So now 42nd overall is where you select Corbin Carroll. I'm contributing to the hype. I think the floor is higher than you'd typically expect from a rookie because I think the steals total is going to be significant. I think he is going to be one of those category standouts that I was talking about wanting uh, earlier. And uh, while, while also helping me build up a sturdy OBP base between him and Freddie Freeman, fills a weak position, which I haven't done yet. It's a little bit of a reach, but I'm to the point with Corbin Carroll where I'm okay reaching. After Corbin Carroll, Emmanuel Class A, 43rd overall. Again, this is saves plus holds. You're still going to get amazing ratios from Emmanuel Class A. And he led baseball in saves last year. The elite closers typically get more saves than the elite I would assume, holds relievers. I would assume he led baseball in saves plus holds as well. That sounds like it would be right. I mean, I, I would have to do calculations, so, yeah. but yeah. Uh, I know, th- I think the holds leader last year was A.J. Minter with 31 or 35, 32. 35. 35, okay. Uh, so yeah, typically the, the saves leader, there are more, the higher saves totals... Um, the higher total normally goes to the saves category, but there's a lot more in the the mid-tier. So the 10 and 20-plus uh, holds guys, there's a lot more of those than mm-hmm. there are saves. So just thinking, uh, just something to think about as we get further into the draft. After Class A, Spencer Strider, Jacob deGrom, Brandon Woodruff, Aaron Nola. So we got a bit of a pitcher run here. Chris, you selected Jacob deGrom. Yeah, screw it. I don't have him yet. Why not? Let's get Jacob deGrom. He went 45th overall, which is cheaper than he typically goes. Yes, I know all about the downside, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to take a guy who's fun to root for and fun to have on your team and, uh, you know, say say to hell with being safe and being smart. I want to take Jacob deGrom and, and for what it's worth. There are a lot of really smart people who think Jacob deGrom is worth even more than that. His ADP over the last week in NFC drafts is 26, 28.14. So relative to that, it's a steal. A bunch of nameless, faceless people, but I'm sure they're smart. Yeah, oh, why not? Uh, I, I would imagine that they are pretty smart. I mean, again, NFBC, these are high stakes leagues. So putting their money where their math, mouth is. and uh, I mean, 
is that itself an indication of well never mind you know it doesn't i think it's an indication (laughs) of the stakes involved and that that it, they, it, it is at least that yes. yes i mean i am someone who drafts in these leagues so i mean that tells you everything that you need to know right there uh <laughs> the first pick of the fourth round is shane O'Mac. shane mcclanahan here comes the money here we go money talk here comes the money we are off in uh round four here what did you guys think of the emmanuel class a pick uh with and i don't want to pile on people here but obviously we have to you know, analyze the differences between just a saves league and saves plus holds. Listen, you don't want us to criticize you. Don't sign up for the league. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not taking a closer probably unless it's a really cheap one, unless they go really late because I think in a saves plus holds league, you can scrap together a decent enough total each week off the waiver wire, namely holds I'm talking about, of course, okay. uh, to, to win the category often enough to make it worth it. All right, yeah, this- I took Class A in my Tout Wars League. I'm trying to find the results now, but I'm pretty sure it was cheaper than that. So I'm not, and, and the Tout Wars League I'm in is very similar to this one. It's uh, saves plus holds. It's innings pitched instead of wins, and it's OBP instead of batting average. And yeah, I got him at the eighth pick of the sixth round, so I don't mind taking one there, but it, it's more, like Scott said, it has to be a value to take a relief pitcher, and, and I don't think it was there. Before we get into the rest of the picks in round four, let's take our first break here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Ever dream about buying a Fantasy Baseball Today podcast shirt and then jumping over to get a Yellowstone whiskey glass or Top Gun Maverick hat? Well, now you can do that with the brand new Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Shop official apparel, drinkware, and accessories inspired by over 150 fan favorite titles. Paw Patrol, Yellowstone, Top Gun, Star Trek, South Park, SpongeBob SquarePants, and your favorite CBS Sports podcast like Pick 6, Fantasy Football Today, and of course, Fantasy Baseball Today. Scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching on YouTube or head to ParamountShop.com. Paramount Shop, where products are paramount. After Shane McClanahan, we saw Jazz Chisholm, Christian Javier, Chris, you selected Will Smith, and then Shane Bieber goes off the board. Uh, Will Smith is... Someone who routinely has a very good OBP. Um, though we only start one catcher, this is probably appropriate. 52nd overall, Chris. 
Yeah, and you know he he should be a good source of OVP. He's not like a huge walk guy, but he's usually in the ten to twelve percent range. So he should be very helpful in OVP, especially relative to the other catchers that are out there, most of whom will be pretty bad in OVP. So it's always nice to get uh, help from the catcher position rather than hope your head's above water, which, you know, even in an era where I think we all agree that catcher is deeper than it normally is, that's relatively speaking. And if, you know, a guy like Dalton Varsho wasn't catcher eligible, he probably goes 50 picks later than he does. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to get a, a catcher who I think will help. After Will Smith, Shane Bieber, and Kevin Gosman off the board, Scott, you're up with 15 seconds. It's time for me to draft a player I haven't been able to invest in yet this year, despite being pretty high on him, O'Neal Cruz. This is, this is the chance, this is the draft where I got to do all those things I haven't done yet. And it continues with this pick, <laughs> O'Neal Cruz. In theory, could be a multi-category standout, right? And I don't have a huge power bat yet with uh, Freddie Freeman and Corbin Carroll being my top two hitters drafted. Hopefully, he'll be a help in speed, too. Probably won't be great in OBP, not only because the batting average is suspect with all the strikeouts, though. Strikeout rate has been much better this spring. Uh, but also not, at least as a rookie, just walked at a 7.8, right? Had some higher rates in the minors. So I, I don't, like, I, I do think there's a scenario where O'Neill Cruz gives me, like, a 340 OBP, but I'm, I'm not counting on it. I don't think he needs to, based on my construction so far. It's more about getting impact production at shortstop, and uh, potentially, hopefully, high-end power. Scott, I don't want to name drop, obviously, so apologies, but I'm looking through the uh, quality starts leaders from last year. The Mount Rushmore, I mean, if there's a format to take those guys... Quality start league. I mean, uh, I think they're going to do... You just drove up the cost of all of them, Frank. <laughs> Thank you very much. I apologize. But yeah, I'm just looking through it now. I don't have a starting pitcher yet, so I'm just trying to figure out who the quality start leaders were from last year. And as I draft some of those names, I'll I'll, uh, I'll point them out. After Scott took O'Neill Cruz, Tommy Edmond goes off the board. And two more picks, and then I'm up. Uh Probably and, you know, it's, it's worth noting the change from wins to quality starts does lessen the ability to roll out a Marmol strategy because in a Marmol strategy, you're not going to get a lot of wins, but you have the chance to vulture a handful in any given week. You can't vulture a quality start as a relief pitcher. Now, a lot of starters this in this era aren't getting quality starts very often anyway, but... You can't, you're, you're never going to be able to win the quality starts category with a Marmol strategy where you could at least have a chance uh, in a more traditional wins-based format. All right. After Tommy Edmond, Xander Bogarts goes off the board and then Alec Manoa. Alec Manoa tied for second in quality starts last season with 25. And I think I'm going to go ahead and take my first starting pitcher going to go a little bit further down the list here and I'm going to take uh, Max Freed who frankly he's good in both quality starts and wins leagues because goes typically pretty deep into his starts pitches for the Atlanta Braves so lots of run support there but uh, Max Freed last year 21 quality starts and that was in only 30 starts so he didn't have as much as your typical ace he didn't get the 32 33 starts last year so 21 for 30 in uh, quality starts 
go ahead and grab my first starting pitcher, Max Freed, round four of a 16-team league. Feel pretty good about that. Uh, all right, rolling on here. Uh, in case you didn't know, probably should have mentioned this earlier, this is going to be a two-part podcast once again. So, uh, you know, be on the longer side here on the live stream. Only two. Yeah. Do you want to go three? I mean, <laughs> 16 league, 16 team league, buddy. It's going to be a long one. It is. Yeah. We might have two uh, hour and a half <laughs> parts here. A little oh, bit of a longer, yeah. longer one. We are creeping along. Yeah. Oh, look. Gunnar Henderson just went. Ah. Uh, yeah. Gunner I was Henderson. hoping. And Vinny P, baby. Vinny P. Yeah, I, I, I was like, there, there aren't many players like Vinny Pasquantino. We think he's going to be good for batting average to begin with. But when you add OBP, I mean, guys, so good at drawing walks. I'm, I'm a little surprised he lasted this long. 63rd overall. Yeah. Uh, I would have given serious consideration to taking him over O'Neill Cruz. If I hadn't already filled first base with, with Freddie Freeman. Mm. Adley Rushman right after him another good OBP source so these they, they may be taking a while to pick but these players seem to know what they're doing with regard to the format change I thought about going Adley as well and then I was reminded of last week when we did our head-to-head points listener league and uh, when I took Will Smith earlier and then those awesome catchers were there later on in the in the draft so I didn't want to do it again um, but it is yeah. a, a great pick. And, and Adley Rutschman last year, a 13.8% walk rate, 254 batting average, but 362 OBP for uh, Adley Rutschman. So plays up very well in OBP, but also in a headset points league because even if he doesn't hit for home runs, it's going to hit a lot of doubles. Uh, that is something that Adley Rutschman excelled at last year. And then the next pick was Wander Franco, who went 65th overall. Let's check out Wander Franco's page and uh, see the latest update. I know that he is dealing with. He's his- he's ready to go for opening day. He did uh he was did batting practice today. Said he's he's excited f- for the opener, so he's good to go. It does knock some of the uh, the luster off, though, Chris. I wrote about Wander Franco and sure. breakouts 2.0, and uh, probably need to lower him a little bit just because there's a little bit more risk now uh, dealing with this right quad injury. It's something that Wander Franco dealt with last year as well. And and frankly, I think it's something that really derailed the season. I, I think he was kind of dealing with it off and on all season. So yeah, and it's, it's and worrisome. Someone, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's worrisome for, for Franco. Yeah, and he's someone that we would hope will be a, a decent contributor in stolen bases. But if he's dealing with a leg injury that, that lingers, maybe he won't be quite as much of a contributor. So it, it's a concern for sure with uh, Wander Franco. I, I, I wouldn't take him there, but... You know, in an OBP league, like he he's someone who could emerge as a true OBP standout. All right. After Ronald Franco, Brian Reynolds and Dylan Cease, followed by uh, Willie Adamas, 68th overall. Taking another peek here at the pitchers. No, no discounts at shortstop in this draft, which no. is... Typically, in a, in a league where you're only starting shortstops and not middle infielders, I think we would expect to see shortstops get pushed down the board. That's what we saw in the points league. But it's worth noting, this is a 16-team league. And one thing that exactly. we've talked about is shortstop is really deep if you play in a 12-team league. But my 16th-ranked shortstop is Nico Horner. 
Now you could swap Nico Horner for Anthony Volpe. I think Anthony Volpe is, you know, it's reasonable to put him up there, but either way, like there is a drop off. I would say it happens before that Jeremy Pena, um, you know, even potentially Tim Anderson in a format like this. So, you know, there, there might be 16 really good shortstops. It depends on how bullish you are on, on Anthony Volpe, I guess. Yeah, there's a good chance the shortstop or two is taken to be somebody's utility player too. You always mm-hmm. got to guard against that. I'm happy to have one already in O'Neill Cruz. <laughs> but there are some good ones out there still. It's not too late. By the way, I hope everyone drafting is listening. Tristan McKenzie has a strain of his right terrace major muscle back of the shoulder. Will be shut down for throwing for two weeks. Oh. Sidelined for up to eight weeks overall. Wow. Hmm. Oh, geez. All right, so yep. some breaking news there on uh, Tristan McKenzie. Shut down for at least eight weeks. We're at the end of March, so we're looking at, oh, man, he's going to need a ramp-up period. It might be the second half of the season, post-All-Star. Well, no, 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 he's shut down from throwing for two weeks. He's out for eight weeks. Okay, so, yeah, maybe So maybe probably June. comes back in late May. Late May, early June. All right. So probably like a later... Similar timetable to Tyler Glass now, but probably a little later maybe at this point. So I'm dropping him behind Tyler Glass now at least. Okay. Yeah, I was updating my rankings just before uh, just before we did this draft here, so earlier on Monday, and uh, I dropped... I kind of have like an injury tier here. Kyle Wright, maybe it's a little bit unfair to put him, lump him in with these guys, but Kyle Wright at 47, Severino at 48, Tyler Glass now at 49. Uh, yeah, and I think Tristan McKenzie will probably drop even behind that group. So going to be outside of the top. Yeah, 50, I dropped him to sixty. Yeah, outside of the top fifty starting pitchers at the least for uh, Tristan McKenzie. All right, let's catch people up on some picks after Willie Adams, Salvador Perez. Uh, we know uh, much lower OBP than than we'd like, but uh, someone who can Still. lead the position in home runs and RBI. Uh, I took you Darvish last year was tied for. Uh, second in baseball with 25 quality starts. So I go back-to-back pitchers. Eh, maybe I'll regret that. We'll see. I've got Max Fried and, and you Darvish with back-to-back picks. Jose Abreu, Byron Buxton, Starling Marte, Jordan Walker, and Carlos Correa. Scott, talk to me. 74th overall. For Jordan Walker, yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. I did not want another league where I missed out on a third baseman. Obviously... Walker is going to go earlier in this draft, I would expect, than any of the ones we've done previously now that he officially does have the job. Gunnar Henderson was already gone. Even Max Muncy was already gone. Um, yeah, I didn't want to push my luck. I think uh, we'll see how the rest of the team turns out, but I'm, I'm pleased with the pick, I think. Jordan Walker. Going, going real youth movement. Going real... <laughs> Trendy, buzzy players in this draft. My last three picks being Cor- um, Corbin Carroll, O'Neill Cruz, and Jordan Walker. And for those wondering about the OBP last year in the minors for Jordan Walker, 119 games at Double A, he hit 306 with a 388 on base percentage, 10.8% walk rate. So power and speed, and if everything works out, probably a, a pretty good OBP as well for uh, Jordan Walker. After Scott took him, Carlos Correa, Tay Oscar Hernandez, and Chris, fantastic pick. I was debating him or you, Darvish, um, the player who led all of baseball with quality starts last year. That is Framber Valdez. 
Yeah, I'm I'm happy to get Framber Valdez. He's my number two starting pitcher. It's the 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 draft is throwing me off a little bit just because it is uh, 16 team leagues. So I'm like ah, 76, the 78th overall, whatever it was. It's that's a decent spot to get Framber Valdez, and it's like oh, that's my fifth player and my second pitcher. So it is it is just like a different yeah. You know, it's maybe it's just because like the only other 15 team league I drafted this year was a slow draft. And so this is the first time I'm really drafting this deep, like live. And so it just it does feel a little different. And I love this pick, too. I, I, I thought I needed to check the news to see if something happened to Dalton Varsho because he goes 79th overall. Uh, one pick after Alejandro Kirk. You know, Varsho's walk rate is not great, but. Still, that seems too late for a, a catcher-eligible player that could go, I don't know, 25-15, 25-20? Yeah, I mean, he had 27-16 and 16 last year with a 302 OBP, and, it, and it's like, yeah, that's you'd rather have a higher OBP from you know every lineup spot, but if you have to take a hit at OBP, catcher's the spot to do it, where you know of the impact bats, very few of them are going to be good OBP sources. You know, that was part of why I took Will Smith when I did, but you know, it's, you know, Salvador Perez isn't going to be a great, even like Real Muto's a good OBP guy because he's a good hitter, but he's not like a standout in OBP necessarily. So it's, I, it, I kind of, you can take I, a hit there. I, I mean, I think it's perfectly fine for Varsha to go where he went, but when he is a clear detriment in that category beyond what he is in batting average, um, and then, Okay, he's a catcher who steals bases. How many bases did he steal last year? 16, right? 16 divided between 27 weeks. I mean, you're, you're not real, you can't really count on any steals from Varsha when you're breaking mm-hmm. it down week by week. That's, that's not really factoring into the discussion. So I get taking Adley Rushman over him with the high OBP, uh, Salvador Perez over him with the high home run and RBI total. Um, I get it, and obviously I passed up Dalton Varsha with my last pick, too, for Jordan Walker. But if Dalton Varsha had made it back to me in round six, I absolutely would have jumped on that. But Alejandro Kirk probably should not go ahead of him, right, Yeah, Scott? right. No, I'd rather have Varsha than Kirk. Right. All right. At Even the, in this league. At the turn, we saw Josh Hader and Andres Jimenez, so now we are into round six. Adolis Garcia, we know the deal. He's probably going to be uh, 300 OBP if he's lucky. I don't know. Sub 300 OBP, but... You know, one of, I believe, four players to go 25-25 last year. So you are getting power and speed. I know it's harder to predict when those seals are going to happen in a, in a head-to-head format, but uh, Adolis Garcia should give you a lot of them. And after that, Devin Williams here in uh, round six, who should give you good ratios, lots of strikeouts, and uh, now the closer for the Brewers. So hopefully lots of saves as well. Chris, you're up. Uh, and after I am you, up. After you make your pick, exp- explain your team name too. Uh, yeah, my pick is Chris Bryant, who is sort of like it's I mean, obviously not like Scott's because Scott's taking the young guys who are exciting. But Bryant's (laughs) someone that I haven't drafted as much as I wanted to. And uh, this is one of my last opportunities. I don't know about you guys. I have one draft after this. I have a salary cap auction tomorrow night um, and then I'm done. I got one night off before the season starts. Uh, I feel like I've done a mock draft or a draft every night over the last like two weeks. And um, 
you know, Chris Bryant, someone that I, I think is going to have a very good bounce back season. We've seen some really quality, uh, really impressive quality of contact metrics from him in spring training. 1085 OPS. Yes, we'll you know kind of skip over the fact that he's already had a little bit of back soreness in spring training. You know, it's you know maybe it's the cold weather, you know, or the altitude. That wouldn't that wouldn't make me feel better because he plays at altitude. Scratch that one. Uh, either way, I'm sure he's fine. But I, I wanted Chris Bryant on my team. As for the team name, we got some great team names in this draft. By the way, I just want to do some shout outs here. We got uh, we got O Sandy. Baby, uh, we got Lego My Gallegos. Those are you two. I'm, I'm going with Lavender Hayes. It's a picture of Austin Hayes with a little lavender filter. I don't know uh, anybody remembers the the Springsteen of her generation, Taylor Swift. It's from her new album uh, Midnight's Out Everywhere on Atlantic Records or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but we've also got the little Buff Boys in the draft room. Love that one. What a crop. We got. Uh, Keeping the legacy of Heath Cummings alive with Yasmani Money, Tomas Problems uh, <laughs> in the draft room. So I'm, um, yeah, lo- loving the loving the team names. You mentioned my team name uh, last year, of course. Huge fan of Sandy Alcantara, and now I've turned my back on him, so I'm a complete fraud. Uh, <laughs> but I've got the the gif of Sandy from from Greece in there, and a, a, a soundbite that we actually haven't heard in a long time. Sandy, tell me about it, Stan. After Chris, Chris Bryant, Julio Rios, Ryan Presley, and it appears we are stuck, or maybe not. Is okay, that, is that think, the pick you wanted, Scott? I think we're going again. Yeah, that's who I had queued up. It wasn't letting me pick it, but I think I think we're going again. All right, Robbie Ray. He is someone who's uh, gained a little bit of helium here in spring. Apparently, the velocity has been up, been up, and experimenting with a new splitter, as is the entire Seattle Mariners pitching staff. But <laughs> I, I find you drafting a lot of Robbie Ray, Scott. It's been a strikeout machine this spring, and he had yep. 212 strikeouts last season. A little worrisome with the ERA, I guess. But I, I care more about the counting stats in a head-to-head categories league than the ratio stats because I feel like the ratio stats are so unpredictable from week to week. If I'm investing in pitcher, I want him to be a big strikeout guy. It's part of the reason I took Corbin Burns in round two, and now Robbie Ray, same thing. Um, even when he doesn't pitch well, the strikeouts should – Give me a chance of winning that category. Uh, Julio Arias going two picks earlier, 85th overall. That's kind of, that's one of those picks where you're like, what in the world is going on? How is Julio Arias still there at the range we're taking Andres Jimenez? And I mean, I just took Jordan Walker last round. But remember, it is a quality starts league and 10 of Arias' starts last year, 10 of them, a third of them, less than six innings. So he didn't even give himself a chance at a quality start in those starts. doesn't mean he's a bad pick at 85th overall. I was crossing my fingers. He'd make it to me and I'd take him over Robbie Ray. But that, that explains why he lasted longer in this league than usual. After Robbie Ray, Tim Anderson goes off the board. Someone, again, who does not walk very much, but he's going to hit for a higher batting average. That helps the OBP. I mean, we're not talking a 300 OBP here for Tim Anderson the guy's probably going to hit 300 or close to it. And even with the lower or walk rate, it's probably giving you like a, I don't know, 315, 320 OBP. It's not great. Uh, well, it's I mean, terrible. he's usually he's usually between 335 and 355. Oh, all right. So even better than I thought. Go mm-hmm. Tim Anderson, go. Just will he stay healthy? Yes, that is a, a yeah, very like, fair question. Since the breakout, Tim Anderson's hit, hit uh, 347 OBP. 
over the past four seasons. Now that's with a 318 batting average. So, you know, 61 walks over four seasons is pretty bad, even for a guy who's missed as much time as he has. But yeah, if, if he's Tim Anderson, he's such an outlier in, in Babbitt in particular that he's going to give you a decent on-base percentage either way. After Tim Anderson, Zach Gallen and Joe Musgrove. Musgrove ah. will start the season on the IEL, but uh, looking to make his debut either April 11th or April 16th. And someone who typically does give us a lot of quality starts as well. And his, his price is basically back to where it was pre-injury. I was looking at this up earlier. His ADP prior to the injury at NFC was 82-ish. Over the last week, it's 88. Are so you pretty much where it needs to be. Are you guys ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Hit me. It's Vulpening Day, oh. baby. Oh, I like it. 91st overall makes me feel like less of a sucker for taking Jordan Walker <laughs> 74th overall or whatever it was. I was yeah, I'm just um, never going to have Anthony Volpe, I guess. Internally, there's, there's always... I was so nervous because ever since my last pick, I told myself I want Volpe with the next pick. I don't have a shortstop yet. I don't have any steal. Like, don't have many steals. I have Soto. I have got. I've got Bregman, and I've got uh, Matt Olson. So really, no steals there. Uh, Volpe. We know everything he's done this spring. He's got nine walks. He's got an OBP over four hundred. Um, and he's someone who typically has walked a lot in the minors as well. So it's early. I get it. There's definitely risk involved. He's a rookie. You could say that about a lot of rookies. All rookies. But if it works out like we think it will for Volpe. You know, I think uh, 260, 270 batting average. Maybe that's optimistic, but well over 300 OBP and lots of steals. So, yeah, that's what and, I'm you know, for. One comp that I was thinking of for him would be like Jake McCarthy, who I feel like the the interest level in him has kind of died down as, as spring training has gone on. And, you know, the the more, you know, we've got, grown more open to the idea that they're going to be plentiful steals. But like, those two players could be pretty similar and McCarthy's going around here, maybe a little later, but you can tack on a little upside for Volpe and, and, and get him to that spot. Like I, yeah. I do think Volpe's probably his biggest impact is likely to be steals as a rookie. Uh, just he 50 for 57, I think last year, which is just a, a really, really impressive number, even though he's not necessarily a great athlete. Um, so yeah, he, he's uh you know that that's that's the place he's likely to be the biggest outlier, biggest contributor this year. And I want to point out again, there is risk involved with drafting rookies. Uh, I tweeted out yesterday that I think if you want Volpe, you've got to take him around 100 or just inside the one, uh, top top 100 mm-hmm. picks. And I was met with a lot of um, you know pushback. Uh, he only hit 236 last year in 22 games at AAA. Mind you, that's a really small sample size. But the numbers don't lie. Yes, he hit for a low batting average. There's risk involved. I get that. But I think there's a lot of upside as well. And if you want to get somebody uh, with this much helium at this point in the spring, you, you, you've got to pay up. And uh, yeah. I know it's a 16-team league, but it is shallower rosters too. So you'd actually be surprised. I think there's going to be some, not great, but I, I think the waiver wire will be okay in a league like this. Now, not to, to belabor the point here with... Uh... With um, Anthony Volpe, but since it is kind of an oddball draft that we're doing here, maybe when we have our biggest audience, bigger audience than any of the other mock drafts, you're talking ahead of Dansby Swanson. You wouldn't have taken Anthony Volpe ahead of Dansby Swanson in a five traditional five by five league, would you, or would would you have? Probably not. 
I, I'm not really a Swanson guy this year. I wrote him up in, in Bust 2.0. Um, I probably wouldn't do that. Maybe I would just wait a little bit longer for someone else to take Swanson. Uh, but, yeah. but you know, you, you can't necessarily count on that happening. Like, yeah. as you were saying, somebody is probably going to reach up and take Volpe inside the top 100 as you did. Right. And um, you know so what? if you just like him straight up more than Swanson, you may I, have to do that. I think I would. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I even, think even without the the OBP factor, yeah, here for Volpe and us thinking that's going to be better for him than batting average. It could be an extremely foolish call uh, taking Volpe over someone like Dansby Swanson, but Swanson slowed down in the second half last year. It was a career year, obviously. He's moving to a much worse lineup, so the counting stats I think are going to take a step back. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I've been kind of fading Dansby Swanson this all off season and. We'll see if that works out for me. I am on the clock, so I should probably uh, stop stop <laughs> yapping and uh, figure out who I want to take here. Uh, I will catch people up on picks in just a second, which uh, once I figure out what I need to do. Uh, okay, I need a second baseman. There's probably not any of those good for OBP. Uh, 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 maybe. maybe. There's some risk of... Okay. Maybe. Uh, outfield, how are we looking? Uh, it's kind of drying up. Not great. Uh, there's an interesting name down there. Oh, geez. What do I want to do? Catcher still looks pretty good. You got 12 seconds to decide, son. Son. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and take my boy. Get your guys. And uh, I'm going to take uh, Jonathan India. Wow. It's a little bit early at uh, you- at 102, but... I was really worried you were going to take a second baseman, but not that one. No, no, no. Uh, I don't probably should figure out how many IL spots we have because that might have determined who I should have taken instead. But Jonathan India, when he was at his best two years ago, National League Rookie of the Year, he walked a lot uh, leading off for the Cincinnati Reds and a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. uh, And I keep drafting Jonathan India. I got him in the NFBC main event as well. So I guess I'm all in. All in on the bounce back for uh, for Jonathan India. By the way, I, I assume you were referring to Jose Altuve uh, yes. when you were talking about IL spots and shocked to see his value in NFC drafts. 187.4 over the last week. That just, I don't know, maybe I'm too high, but that just, feel, I mean, they don't have, you don't have IL spots in NFBC leagues, so right. that's part of it. But Injury absences in NFBC yeah. are especially punishing. Yeah, Yeah, 15 um, team league, no IL spots. That's really tough to get around. Yeah, we have four IL spots in this league. But I mean, Altuve, you know, normally I was thinking we're at pick 104 here. Normally I was thinking about this range is where I'd look to take him. Uh, There's talk today they might start him on the 60 day IL, which would lock him out for sure until June. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that hope of him coming back the last couple weeks in May, I don't know. it, It becomes... It becomes a less attractive pick. Uh, I don't think I'm going to take him here with my next pick. Somebody might end up doing it before it gets back to me in round eight, and I'll be okay with that if that happens. All right, well, I mentioned I was going to catch people up. Let's do that. There have been a lot of picks. Uh, we talked a lot about Volpe. That was in the middle of round six. After that, Kershaw, Nestor Cortez, Stephen Kwan, Tyler O'Neill, and Carlos Rodon. That's a good pick. Uh, 96 overall for Rodon through another bullpen session. I think he got up to 30 pitches here on Monday and reportedly 
feels okay, all good for now. Carl Sardon trending the right way, perhaps uh, late April, early May for him. We get into round seven, and we've got Taylor Ward. It's a good pick. I think he's going to walk a lot. Um, a lot of counting sets, too, in that Angels lineup. Nate Lowe, Logan Webb, Anthony Rizzo does get a little bit of a boost in OBP. Giancarlo Stain, I took Jonathan India, perhaps a little early. Masataka Yoshida, Christian Walker, and CJ Crone. Scott, you are on the clock. Pick 106 in the seventh round. Yeah, I think I'm just going to keep riding the helium train here. Uh-oh. Take another guy that normally gets drafted earlier than I get a chance to take him as much as I like him. And another guy whose value is elevated by it being an OBP league, and that's Lars Newbar. Ah! Damn you, Scott. Outfielder. Nope. Ah! Right in the heart. A pick before Christian Yelich, it turns out. I was debating him versus... Uh... Jonathan India. That one might backfire. You know, uh, we'll it see. is it is like Yelich versus Nupar is kind of an interesting one because like I feel like if Lars Nupar has the season Christian Yelich had last year, we'll all view it as a resounding success. <laughs> right. And everyone's kind of like, ugh, Christian Yelich is so boring. <laughs> and it's like, I get it. He, he is. But, you know, yeah. he had 14 homers, 20, 19 steals, and a 355 OBP with 99 runs. Like that... That'd be a pretty pretty good outcome for Lars Newbar. I think in a yeah. best case scenario, we might be hoping for better, but there's also, I think, yeah. a, a wider range of, of potential outcomes there. Well, that's that's what I was thinking, because I saw Yelich was out there still, and Yelich himself, a player who's, uh, a, who's elevated in OBP leagues because he walks a lot. Um, but I, was, I, I decided that there is a playing time issue for Newbar, leaving that out of it, presuming Newbar plays close to every day. His most likely scenario is probably a lot like what Christian Yelich's expected scenario is too. But I, I do think, I guess at this point, I'm saying it's more likely Newbar reaches his ceiling than Yelich does. I, I could see it. I, I think direction. I think it's sort of giving the unproven guy credit for upside because we haven't seen him. But like I, I do think Christian Yelich still has upside. Like, I, I don't think it's the likeliest outcome, but if Christian Yelich had a 25 homer season, it wouldn't shock me at all. You know, he, he still hits the ball really, really hard. He's done some interesting things this, this spring too, Chris. I believe all three of his home runs have gone to the opposite field this year, which is so interesting for Yelich. So lifting the ball to left field for Yelich, mm-hmm. it's kind of surprising to me. Like, I don't know. Uh, obviously, I think, you know, pulling the ball and pulling it in the air is ideal for power, but the fact that all three of his home runs have gone to the opposite field... Makes me feel a little bit more encouraged about the power of the season, well, frankly. He, he's also the kind of guy who just, he still has excess raw power. You know, he, he's not necessarily a guy who I think needs to pull the ball a ton to maximize his power. It's more about getting the ball in the air. If, I think if he gets the ball into the air to center field, it's going to go out because he hits the ball so hard. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, what have we been saying about Alec Bohm and Cabrian Hayes, two guys who've, Show more power this spring. Like Yelich, have attended, have always had that tendency to hit the ball hard, but without the power production to go along with it. And the storyline for both of them, with with them hitting home runs this spring, is um, they're turning on the ball faster. They're pulling it in the air with their time. They're 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 timing it up in a way that allows them to pull it in the air. So it wasn't even so much a swing change, elevating the ball. They're just 
turning on the ball better and that's allowing them to pull it and that's leading to it's leading to the sort of contact that's more likely to result in a home run. So I, I don't know that I see Yelich hitting home runs the opposite way as a good sign because, I mean, his issue is the same one that could Brian Hayes and Alec Bohm have had. And if, if we think their solution is to pull it in the air more, then I'd be more encouraged if Yelich was doing that too. I mean, we've seen him... Um... You know, when he's been a good power hitter in the past, it has typically been more all fields power. So I, I, I really, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there could be anything he could show us in spring training that would change how I feel about him, which is that he's a relatively safe player who I think has latent upside. And, and whether he hits that upside or not isn't really why I'm drafting him. You know, if I'm drafting Christian Yelich, it's mostly for like, a safe 15, 15 or 15 or 2020 type of production with a bunch of runs and, you know, good OBP. Whereas, you know, any upside I, I think is, is sort of, it's baked into the price or it's not baked into the price to the point where I don't really care if there's upside there, you know, after yellow twin Dansby Swanson, Chris took Chris sale. Is that back to back Chris's for you? Bryant and sale. That is back to back, but one of them spells it wrong. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, After Chris Sale, Bryce Harper, we do have four IL spots in this league. Could turn out to be a fantastic pick. Jordan Romano and Wilson Contreras to finish out round seven. Let's take our uh, second break here. And when we get back, we'll get you into round eight on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Make sure to download and follow our five-minute podcast, Fantasy Baseball Today in Five, wherever you listen to podcasts. Round eight, Andrew Vaughn, Brandon Nimmo, Nick Lodolo and Chris, I feel like this might be the first time you've got him in one of these drafts. Brandon Lau. Yeah, and, and it's a guy I might have been able to wait on. Um, you know, I, I know not everybody's as excited about the Brandon Lowe experience as I am. Brandon Lau, right? 
No. Correct. Yeah, Brandon, yes, Brandon Lau. Lau. Brandon Lau. Uh, as I am, but I think the the bounce back potential is is significant. Obviously, we saw him hit 39 homers in 2021 with a good, you know, 340 OBP. He had a 362 in 2020. So I think he's someone that if he's healthy and if he's right, Brandon Lau can be a big time contributor in this format. All right. Well, after Brandon Lau, Felix Bautista gets auto-drafted for the team name Beetle Up. Yeah, make sure you turn off your, your auto auto pick because you don't want that to mess you up next time it comes around. Scott, you're on deck here. Let's let's check in on your team. We haven't done that the entire podcast so far. And it would sure, be nice why not? if I could find your team name. Uh, right, it is Lego My Gallegos. Actually, Gallegos... Probably has some value here in, uh, in saves plus holds. Remember that for later on. Freddie Freeman at first base. Jordan Walker at third. O'Neill Cruz at shortstop. Lars Newbar in the outfield. Corbin Carroll also in the outfield. And you've got two starting pitchers, Corbin Burns and Robbie Ray, who frankly could combine for 450 strikeouts. <laughs> Maybe more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no, that's what I was trying to do is, um, okay, so the guy who lost Felix Bautista says that was a, an error of technology, and he is asking for William Contreras instead, so that's who he's getting. All right, fair enough. Rather than Felix Bautista. Yeah, like I said earlier, I want, if I'm going to pay for a pitcher in this format, uh, I want it to be in the categories that are I can rely on more from week to week. And I think among all the pitcher categories, strikeouts is the one. So I wanted a couple high strikeout guys there. Uh, let's see here. And who do, you, so, who do you want here? You're on the clock. Yeah, it's a good question. I think I am... Let me look at the pitcher situation here. I mean, I'm doing pretty well with pitcher so far. I'm gonna, I'm gonna draft George Kirby. Oh. I think he could be a ratio standout. And the strikeouts have been there in the spring. Uh, yeah. he's got the the new the new forkball splitter thing that has looked pretty good for him so far. I, I you know, one thing that we've talked about with both him and Logan Gilbert is like. They're very popular breakout picks, but it's not actually clear where the breakout comes from from either of them because it's not it's not clear where the out pitch is with either of them. But if you know the either the splitter becomes an out pitch or more likely helps some of the other pitches play up, you know, I, I definitely think there's there's some upside there for sure. Now they did limit how deep he went to his starts last year. Obviously, he was a rookie. He's really efficient because he throws so many strikes. And um so I am taking the chance that he takes a step forward, as many other people are. I mean, the only reason he's ranked this high is because people are expecting that. So I'm invested in George Kirby now in both of our podcast leagues. Jose Altuve went right afterward. I thought about taking him here in round eight, but two months is a long wait in the league this deep. And so I opted against it. He goes 120th overall, Altuve. Scott, I believe you had George Kirby in busts 1.0. Is that true? Did I make that up? I did. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it, it, like a lot of breakout picks, right? You could make a bust argument just as easily. And the bust argument for George Kirby is 
well, does he has a good fastball? Does he have a good enough secondary pitch to go with it to miss the kind of bats he would need to miss to take that step forward? Um, if you look at his hit rate last year, his batting average against very high, higher than you'd expect for somebody with George Kirby's pedigree and um, and just the kind of buzz he's getting in fantasy. It's the reason why despite issuing just 1.5 walks per nine as a rookie last year, an incredible rate. He still had a one 2 one whip. He was giving up so many hits. And so that's the downside argument for Kirby is just, is the, is the arsenal well-rounded enough to take advantage of his natural abilities? Uh, Chris talked about how he's mixed in a splitter this spring. And, um, you know, part of the upside case is just, he's George Kirby. Look at his, Look at it. Look at that pedigree. Look at the fact he issued only 1.5 walks per nine last year. It's it's one of those things that could go either way. It's just a question of whether the value is right for me. It's it's a little Shane Bieber esque, except yeah, you know Bieber got you know Bieber's had the the slider and, and curveball as go to out pitches that you know Kirby still has to develop, and Bieber had them as you know go to pitches at the point before he broke out. So that that's one distinction where Kirby wasn't really getting the whiffs uh, when he was, you know, when we're hoping for the breakout. Yeah, and I, I actually love the comp on Shane Bieber, Chris. It's one that I've always thought about too. If you look at Cor- Kirby's numbers last year, he gave up a ton of hits and his whip was really high despite you know having one of the best, I think historically one of the best walk rates by a rookie starting pitcher in MLB history. And mm-hmm. the reason why is because he lives in the zone too much. That, that was something that hurt Shane Bieber earlier in his career as well. So when you have pinpoint accuracy and command the way that Kirby does, I think you can expand the zone a little bit and, you know, uh, try and try and get opposing batters to uh, to chase pitches a it's, little it's, bit. So it's the classic command versus control thing. Control is avoiding walks. Command is throwing in and out of the strike zone where you need to at the right time. And, you know, I I would think Kirby has both, but command is also not just throwing the pitches where you need command is also related to stuff, you know, like you throw a a slider in the strike zone. If you don't have a good slider, it doesn't really matter that you threw it for a strike. It's going to get crushed. You know, it's that kind of thing. Last point on George Kirby here. If MLB.com is correct, he's thrown 97 pitches this spring, 80 of them for strikes, which is just... I don't think their pitch level data on the box, on the game, or on their stat pages is accurate. Okay. Because- I'm not sure, but like 92 pitches in, what, 12 innings? That seems seems pretty low. Yes. Yes, it does. So I don't know. I don't know if it's accurate, but it just wouldn't surprise me if he threw this many strikes throughout spring. His last outing was against the Dodgers on March 22nd. Five no hit innings for uh, George Kirby with nine strikeouts in that game. Let's catch people up on some picks here. Uh, Yeah, we left off a while ago after Jose Altuve at pick 120. Lance Lynn, Matt Chapman. I selected MJ Melendez, who had a 12.4% walk rate as a rookie last year. So even if he hits for a lower batting average, I think that he is going to be a little bit more valuable in an OBP format. Rowdy Telez, love it. Chris Bassett, Sean Murphy, Gleyber Torres, and Andres Munoz. And this is something I do like about saves plus holds leagues, is that you could just draft the most talented relievers. That's mm-hmm. one aspect yep. of it that I like. You could just focus on skills and ERA and strikeouts and all that fun stuff. Munoz, if he clicks... 
should be one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. We just don't know yeah. how many saves he's going to get. But in a league like this, that doesn't matter because he'll just get holds instead. Yeah, I mean, he was he and um, Edwin Diaz, who of course is out for the year, they were in a class of their own in terms of strikeout uh, swinging strike rate last year among relievers, among pitchers with 50 innings. So I, I think we can safely say Andres, uh, Andres Munoz, if he stays healthy, is for sure a dominant reliever. But the downside to that argument is, oh, we can just focus on skills for a reliever, is the samples are so small for mm-hmm. every reliever in a given season that you can't confidently predict who the most talented reliever is going to be coming in. And you can use that to your advantage. That's what I try to do is just as they emerge over the course of the year, um, you know, kind of kind of piece together that that holds stable off the waiver wire. But but yeah, in, in theory, what you're saying is right, where because you don't have to worry about what role they're filling so much, you can focus on skills over roles. All right. But I would say that the, the reaction to that should be to value them less and to be like the the bar gets flatter for them. There's a lot of really good relievers out there. Every every team has three guys who throw 98 miles an hour now. So it's you know there's there's still uh I think you still need to lean away from or lean into the depth at relief pitcher that saves and holds creates. I agree for the most part, but if Munoz has the season yeah. that we think that he's capable of, he probably shouldn't go I Almost a hundred picks after a manual class A. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think it's more that class A went too early. Yeah, yeah, that's that that, that makes sense. Uh, let's get into round nine here. Jose Miranda, Blake Snell, Logan Gilbert, Charlie Morton, uh, Nick Cassianos, and I took my guy. Had to do it. Jeffrey Springs. He's my SP three. Scott, I hope your uh, report about him wanting to go deeper into starts is actually true. And I could get some quality yeah. starts this year out of Jeffrey Springs. Either way, I think we'll get a lot of strikeouts. His ADP over the past week over at the NFBC is 132.3. I just took him at pick 134. So Springs is someone who has been, been on the rise, followed by Hunter Green, Nathan Avaldi, and Dustin May. So a bit of a pitcher run here, Scott. And you're up in round nine. I'm going to take Miguel Vargas. Nice. I don't mean to keep taking all the hype guys. Oh my gosh, my team is loaded with rookies. It's a great dynasty team, Scott. <laughs> it really is. Scott White, noted hype beast. Lining it up was, outside for supreme gear. <laughs> it was actually more Wearing about the big red boots. not liking the second base situation after Jose Altuve went and Cattell Marte just went before him. Glaber Torres is gone since my last pick. And I know, I know second base, I, I've talked about it being bottom heavy, so you'd think it'd be a better place to wait in a deep league like this. But again, only nine lineup spots per team. So I, I don't know that I want to settle for a Jeff McNeil or a Tyro Estrada in a league as one of my nine starting hitters. So obviously Miguel Vargas is only starting with first base eligibility but he'll pick up second base by the end of the first week. And um, and I'll be able to slot him at that position for the rest of the season. Hopefully he's actually good. I think he will be, but I have a lot of picks like that at this point. <laughs> uh, after Scott took Miguel Vargas, Felix Bautista, Jake McCarthy, 
Ryan Helsley went to Chris and then uh, Vaughn Grissom at 142. Yes, uh, that is correct. I just saw you right in the chat, Chris, that uh, <laughs> Vaughn Grissom got sent down, by the way. Uh, that is true. Yeah, I mean, so. you know, we'll see. Should not go for 142nd overall I'm... as a result. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I figured, that the person didn't see it. I, I don't know if you guys are okay with going back on it. Uh, I'm sure Scott is, because he's the nicest drafter I've ever drafted. Yeah, with, whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever. So, <laughs> all right, so we backed out the pick, uh, and we'll help out our friend uh, Brendan here. Brendan, Brendan Zachary, who... I mean, look, everybody's, everybody's busy. I understand. Yeah. I was disappointed that Jake McCarthy was gone when I went to pick. He got taken one pick before me, and I was hoping to go McCarthy and then Helsley with my next pick. Helsley ends up being the pick. Just another guy that I haven't drafted this year that obviously could be the best reliever in, in baseball. He kind of was last year. So, you know, the, the saves plus holds of it all makes it a little easier to stomach the uncertainty about, you know, who will actually get the saves there. Absolutely. After Ryan Helsley, the pick is Whit Merrifield instead of Vaughn Grissom. So you get a little speed there. Now, I'm thinking about my roster construction here and how I took Volpe to help out with steals because I didn't really have any. This probably would have been a really good punt speed team now that I'm looking at it. I've got MJ Melendez, Matt Olson, Jonathan India, Alex Bregman, Volpe, Juan Soto. Outside of Volpe, there's not much. So yeah. I, I don't know that I'm going to compete on a weekly basis in, in speed. And I've got two outfield spots left. I got a utility spot. At those specific positions, I... I I don't there know. are there are yeah. a lot of good base stealers left. I I, I feel are like they? at this range of the player pool, I like the speed sources better than I like the power sources. All right. Well, you want to do you want to give me some names, Scott, so uh, <laughs> so I can draft <laughs> them, or uh, what do you what do you I'd, I'd what do you think? Not, but I mean, you've you've seen me draft before, Frank. You know who I target for the. I know, I know. Speed. A few names just came to mind while you were talking about it, so I think Jorge I, Mateo. I've got a few. No, ideas. that is not one. Hey, Although he will provide speed. Hey, we were, when we were talking to Cal Ripken Jr., we asked him about Gunnar Henderson, and uh, immediately he asked about Jorge Mateo. He's like, "Well, where where's Mateo going to play?" So I thought that was interesting. Um, hey. Brian Hayes said he wants to steal 30 bases. I think he's probably fast enough to oh, do it. Oh, he's definitely fast enough, yeah. Yeah, what he, he had 20 steals last year, and now we're expecting speed to go up across baseball. So, yeah, that would not surprise me one bit for uh, Keith Brian Hayes. After Whit Merrifield, uh, who was that, and Scott? I, and I'm not sure we, yeah, I'm not sure we ever addressed Keith Brian Hayes' power output this spring specifically on the podcast uh, this year, I, I did allude to it earlier in the same vein as Alec Bohm. Just he's he's hit four home runs this spring, which is more than half the total he had all of last season. And of course, Key Brian Hayes has uh, high quality of contact. And um, yeah, what I said earlier, just basically, they feel like he's timing up the ball better in a way that's allowing him to get out in front of it and pull it in the air more. And that's allowing those exit velocities to translate his power more than it has in the past. Whether he can sustain that into the regular season over the course of the season, I don't know. But I have renewed enthusiasm, renewed optimism for Kid Brian Hayes and moved him up uh, a tier in my rankings earlier today. I know that we have made this comp already. I think it was you, Chris. But if we're excited about Alec Bohm, we should probably be excited about Kid Brian Hayes for the, for the same reasons. And 
potentially has even more upside with that speed element as well. After Whit Merrifield, Tyler Glass now and Anthony Santander to finish out round nine. Great pick, by the way. That is, that is way too late. Yeah, it's great value for Santander. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sign off uh, part one here on the podcast side of things. But uh, make sure to join us for part two as well. We will see you there. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.